I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. My guest today is truly an amazing being. I met Zoe Blasky when I was a guest on her podcast, Mother Kind. She is the founder of Mother Kind, which is a self-empowerment platform for modern moms. So basically, she coaches mothers from all backgrounds, from global CEOs to full-time moms, and talks to them about the, the tips and tricks and really the internal work that needs to be done to navigate the huge challenge of modern motherhood. Zoe hosts a Motherkind podcast, which is actually the number one family podcast on iTunes in the UK. And every week she speaks to world leading experts on a range of topics uh, from self-care, health care, career, nutrition, and parenting. The idea is basically a complete person is a better parent. The Telegraph celebrated the podcast as the antidote to toxic perfectionism of modern motherhood. Her story is fascinating. Her being is fascinating. I am sure you're going to totally enjoy this conversation with my dear friend, Zoe Blasky. I want to introduce you properly to everyone. So I don't think you hide that. You even write it on your webpage. Eight months into having your first daughter, you started to suffer what every mother suffers to the point that changed your life. I think that's a very good starting point of introducing you to everyone. Tell us about this, Zoe. Yeah, so I, I had an incredible pregnancy and birth experience. And in a way, that was a kind of huge transformation for me. And we'll go into that because that's a big part of it. But I was sat there quite deep into my personal development journey, as I would call it, cheesy as that sounds. And I had this little baby at eight months and I realized I was totally lost. <laughs> I was back stuck in acute perfectionism, huge control, trying to control things I couldn't control, like how I looked and what the baby was doing and sleeping. And, you know, and I felt just, I felt totally lost. And I think every mother, parent has had a moment like this. It might have been a big moment like mine or it might have been a kind of series of micro moments. But I just sat there and I thought, I am, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know what I want anymore. I felt very low. I felt kind of awkward in my role as a mother. Like it didn't feel instinctive to me. And I kind of thought, well, hang on a minute. The next thought was there must be something I can do about this. So I, before I became a mother, I was really into following some of the amazing people that we talked about when I was on your podcast, Eckhart Tolle, Marion Williamson, you know, Michael Singer, some of these big teachers on life. I thought, I'm going to go and find out where the motherhood equivalent of that is. I'm going to go and find that and, and start consuming that because that's always helped me. I've always been the sort of person that I've looked to new ideas or concepts or teachers I suppose you'd call them and I was just searching and I didn't really find much 
I found Dr. Shafali in the US and that was super helpful. But some of it spoke to me, some of it didn't. And then I thought, I'm going to start looking for a podcast because, you know, I don't have time to read all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got this eight month old. And I didn't find anything. And I guess that's when the seeds started to be planted for what I then birthed, which was, which was mother kind. Which was an amazing contribution, I believe. You've been number one on family podcasts for a very long time. And it really is spot on because you're absolutely right. All you get as a mother, as a father actually as well, is grandparents interfering in ways that you don't believe is right. And that's really it, right? That's the only resource you have. Otherwise, there is really no conversation that teaches you how to get into that new stage. Well, there's lots about kind of what to buy and there's lots about how to get your child in a routine and there's lots about how to feed them. And I kind of, to be honest, a lot of that content was making things worse for me because I would read mm -hmm. it and think that I wasn't doing it right. I was, I was really stuck in comparison. And, you know, I'm super passionate and always been passionate in the inner experience. And what I realized or came to realize is that that kind of breakdown that moment that was, you know, really hard for me, that culmination of eight months of struggle was really such an opportunity for me. It was such an opportunity for me to think about, okay, how do I want to do this? Who am I now? What's important to me now that I'm a mother? And, you know, what's coming up? What I noticed, and this is a really universal experience now, having spent four years talking about this, is all the stuff from my own childhood was coming up. And I was totally unprepared oh, yeah. for that. No one told me that was going to happen. I was totally unprepared. You know, and the age that our children are at brings up what was happening for us at that age. That is such a statement. I actually have never heard it this clearly, but it is absolutely true. Yes, yes, yes. And I've had absolute, you know, experts on that one concept on the podcast who've really helped to unlock that idea for me. So that, that was really my moment of transformation I was like wow even though this is so hard and so painful and right now I feel absolutely lost I think you know there's something a that I can contribute and thank you for saying that it's a good contribution and and also something that I can come to heal in myself I can come to mm. you know step more into my power and you know as a mother now and I think it's just so discombobulating becoming a mother. And we don't talk about it enough as a society. It's kind of like you pop the baby out and in America, you're back to work in 10 weeks. In the UK, if you get a year, you're very lucky, you know, if you work for a corporation, but for people that work for themselves or don't have that, you know, you're back at work and you're expected to start pulling yourself together and look good. And, but the inner changes that go on are just monumental. So let's talk about those, Zoe. Actually, that yeah. was my very, very first question I wanted to ask you because I remember vividly, and I'll start by making a statement. It's absolutely impossible for a man like myself to imagine what it's like being a mother. I can only share my experience of being a father, which I'll say openly, I didn't like children. As a matter of fact, I disliked children immensely. I thought they were noisy creatures, they were a burden. And then I see that little crumbly thing called Ali, which Habibi, you know, I, I know you're listening. You looked brilliantly ugly as a child, right? And I completely fell in love. Like this little thing, like a prune. And I have no idea what happened inside me. Of course, I was in the operations room 
And so he comes out, Ali was never grumpy, so he didn't really frown or anything. He just was like, hey guys, right? And, and cried a tiny little bit. And I was like, that's it. My life has changed forever. And I remember vividly that what happened was a multiplication of my masculinity. So I basically suddenly realized that my only role in life is to go out, fend and defend and provide for this new creature. And it was very irrational because I'm a very rational engineer to literally give up on everything, all my dreams, all my ambitions, everything. I just want to provide for this little child. And I remember vividly, this little thing is never going to need anything was the one thought in my head. Now, when I spoke to my wonderful, wonderful, wonderful ex now, but wife then, Nibel, years after we had Ali and Aya, she basically said over a minute, literally like pop, Ali is out. And suddenly that basically defined her life. It became the most important priority in her entire life. Now, tell me about that moment. What does it mean? I mean, she became a totally different person, a wonderful person that I fell in love madly with again, right? But a different person. What happens inside a woman? I think it's different for everyone, is the truth. It's because you describe that experience of, you know, seeing your son and falling deeply in love. That's not a universal experience at all. That actually didn't happen for me. I didn't, I didn't feel that feeling, that unlocking of love, probably until five, six months. Interesting. Okay. You know, and I used, I used to think there was something wrong with me, you know. Mm. That, was, that was interesting, that experience. I was kind of didn't tell anyone. I was like, I theoretically love this, but it was more like I just have to care for this. This is my responsibility now. But that feeling of, like, absolute, overwhelmingly love that yeah that didn't come for a while and I now know that's a really really universal experience for both mothers and fathers oh interesting okay that tells me I'm I'm weird as always but great I am weird in a good way there's just as many people who experience that as don't and of course all the shades in between but this is what I mean I think we kind of have these ideas when we become parents of what it's going to be and and then when, when it doesn't happen that way for us, we start to compare or think that there's something wrong with us. I think it's really important to say that for anyone listening to, to your experience, you might be thinking, well, I didn't experience that. That's incredibly You know, it's like whatever, whatever you experience. Yeah, and I think that's part of it, isn't it? That's part of it is that can we welcome in, and you talk about this so brilliantly, can we welcome in whatever our experiences without judgment? You know, and that's arguably the kind of first core lesson in being a parent, right? Because that's what we're invited to do with our children. Like, can we fully accept and welcome in whoever they are, despite who we might want them to be, or we might we might have dreamt that they might be? I think that's the first thing that kind of came up for me when you said that. And then I think what the second part of your question was about what happens inside, mm-hmm. and there's actually a word that I discovered for this. And I wonder if you've heard of it. Have you heard of matrescence? Absolutely no idea what that means. Nor had I. And when I heard this word, I cannot describe to you the, in my community and everyone that listens to the podcast was just like the messages that I was getting because there is a word to describe this. So when someone becomes a teenager, we all know we call that adolescence, right? And we know that it's a really bumpy time and we know that there's hormonal changes. We know that there's changes in your body and your brain. 
Well, matrescence is, is the same kind of anthropological term to describe becoming of a mother. And it, it's recent, this body of work, actually, kind of in the last 10 years, some incredible books um, coming out about it. But essentially, it's the same thing, that you are not who you were. You go through this process oh, yeah. of matrescence, and your, your brain actually changes when you become a mother. There's something called pruning that happens which means that your kind of part of your prefrontal cortex actually switches off for, so that you can become more hyper-focused essentially on, on the mundanity of having a new baby. It's amazing. Your body changes, your hormones changes, everything that was important in your life and who you were changes. And it's, it's all encapsulated in this term called matrescent, which I just found incredibly helpful. I was like, okay, so the reason that I found this so bumpy and, you know, some people get postnatal depression, postnatal anxiety, and there's extremes of it, but everyone goes through this matrescence as a mother. I don't know if there's an equivalent term for father, actually, but as a mother, which is that you are born as a mother and on every level you change spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. I think it must be different. Of course, I'm not the expert on this. But I think it must be different between a father and a, and a mother. I think the relationship between a father and a child is much more maybe mental, maybe spiritual, but it's not. I mean, you're entangled, you and your child, you're one being that becomes two. And that whole experience of giving life, really, it changes you. We sort of like... I don't know if that could be true, but you know, it's sort of like if you're responsible in general as a man, you'll be responsible for that child. If you're escaping in general as a man, you probably may escape it. It is really, I don't think it's a biological and emotional thing. It's more of a, what you've been conditioned to be, I think, I think. But what I remember vividly is when you said perfectionist, Nibel also, I think she became not just a perfectionist. Nibel was very good at everything she did. I, I openly say, with all due respect to all mothers listening, that she's the best mother on the planet, right? She had that incredible balance of being able to love them and be very protective and, and so on, but also let them go and let them, you know, experience and explore. And But she also became very protective, protective in terms of, I care for their safety more than I care for anything else. And, and there was a period in our life where I started to sense a slight difference between the way Nibel dealt with me before and the way she dealt with me then. And it was mostly about, I wanted to protect the kids from you. you you're a hyper performer. You want things to happen very, very accurately all the time. And you know, you were pushing them to be A students and I didn't want them to be A students. I wanted them to be whatever they wanted to be. Wow, she's a guru. Brilliant. She's brilliant. And of course, as you can imagine, A performers like me would seriously push forward and say, hold on, A is the right place to be. And took her time to convince me, no, 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 no. Where they want to be is the right place to be. But, but let, let's go back to this later. I think the idea of you becoming a perfectionist, she becoming more protective or sort of the savior, are there many of those role models that a mother would normally play? Yes. And I think it's so dependent on our own experience of having been mothered. Mm. You know, and this is where it gets absolutely fascinating because 
typically we tend to either repeat the experience that we had or we pendulum totally the other way. So the perfectionism for me, you know, my mother is an absolute perfectionist and I was just repeating that experience. And so it's been absolutely fascinating for me to unpick some of that and try to come into the middle. You know, I don't want to pendulum right the other way, which is often what people do, totally laissez-faire, and it doesn't matter, and who cares? You know, that's that's a, re- a reaction against something. You know, I want to come into the middle. Like, what does that look like for me? And I think it looks different for everyone. But I think this is part of the challenge of becoming a mother and a parent, is that it's a time when all of this stuff gets thrown up in the air, you know, as we've talked <laughs> about. And yet it's also the time in your life when you have the least time in your life to attend to it. <laughs> to look into it. Which is really why I think generally, you know, most mothers I speak to feel lost, guilty, overwhelmed, stressed. Like I wouldn't describe the general state of being a mother, particularly in the Western world, as one of kind of ease and joy and happiness. I really think it's because all of this stuff gets thrown up and yet we don't have the the time and the space, or if we do, we don't necessarily know what to do with that time and space to unpick some of this stuff, you know, which is why I do the coaching to kind of help mothers do that. Like if you have five minutes a day, what could you do that could really help unlock some of where you're feeling stuck and, and where you want to get to? So I think there's that real dichotomy, you know, parenthood and motherhood is just full of all these tensions, you know, full of them. And it's part of the experience is the tension. But it's what can you do to become more aware of that tension and figure out what is right for me? Because every single person brings different values. You know, I'm really interested that your wife and you, you know, had really different values going on. Oh, yeah. You know, everyone brings different values. Everyone brings their own stresses, their own programming to parenting. And it's just fascinating. I'm absolutely fascinated in unpicking some of that so that people can become Mm. who they really want to be. Because, of course, the whole time we're modeling to our children what it means, what's important to us. And they mold themselves around what they think is important to us. But this is really, again, spot on because, of course, now, you know, we also spoke about that, Nibel and I, the idea that her father, who was very also demanding, let's call it, wasn't the most positive experience for her growing up when she was pushed and she was also an A student as a young girl. And then that wasn't enough. There was always that need for let's do more, let's do more. And my behavior would trigger that protectionism in her so that she tries to make sure that the kids are a little shielded from this. But this is, I think, you bring an incredibly important point. This, All of this soul searching and self-reflection and all of that understanding is so important, but it is needed at the time where we have the least amount of time. And you know this saying that you have to go get tested to get a driver's license, but you don't to become a parent. So you're probably always totally unqualified when you become a parent for the first time. Is is there a way where people can look at this before the child happens? I mean, those symptoms seem to only surface after the child arrives, don't they? Yeah. And I think there's two things on that. The first is, Absolutely. And it's really smart to 
sit down before you come parent. You know, I was lucky that my husband Guy and I actually did this and think about, you know, what are our values? What are some of the things that we really want to bring into our family from our own families? And what are some of the things that we want to leave in that generation? You know, we want to transform this time. But in a way, some of that was super helpful and there's smart conversations to be having and, you know, it's more interesting than talking about the news and, you know, we, we kind of <laughs> we delve into it and, it's, and it brings connection and it brings closeness. And, you know, Guy and I would talk about, well, are you going to work? You know, am I going to be the primary caregiver? What's going to happen there? When am I going to go back to work? What are your expectations of me around going back to work or contributing? You know, so many people don't have these conversations and then it can be really hard that first year. You know, in fact, the divorce rate in the first year of having a child is higher than at any other point in someone's life. That's amazing. Which I find totally unsurprising. The second thing is, based on your question, is that in some way it's theoretical. Mm. because, you know, we had these lovely conversations and I was saying, you know, well, my top value when I become a mother is going to be connection and joy. And, you know, and then I become the mother and I'm, and I'm like, right, let's look for the connection and the joy. And as we described at the top of the conversation, that wasn't my experience at all. I find it unbelievably challenging because as I described, I wasn't prepared for all of this kind of wounding, I would call it, to be coming up <laughs> in my own past. And I was totally unprepared for, for how sleep deprivation would feel and how hard that would be. I was totally unprepared for how Guy and I would be like this on many things. And actually that first year was incredibly rocky for us in our marriage. So I think, yes, it's amazing. I'm always going to say that having intelligent conversations kind of coaching style conversations with people in your life and your children and people you're co-parenting with is a good idea but when it comes to parenting I think sometimes it's almost like you have to kind of get the parachute up as you're on the way down that's how it feels and that's really why I do what I do because I wish that it would have existed for me I think it's unbelievably challenging challenging yeah I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. And it's not surprising, even though a child is supposed to bring two lovers closer together, it just creates all of those disagreements because by definition, unless you were brought up in the same household by the same parents, which would be very creepy, <laughs> you know, you're supposed to be different in your value systems around raising a child. And you know, you add that to what's coming from the past, you add that to what's coming from your partner, you add that to, you know, how your whole life is turning out to be with all of the challenges and difficulties and poof, you're in a disaster. You're basically in turmoil. Yeah. And I've got to tell you, Mo, like most of the mothers and I, I'm lucky enough, I get to connect with probably thousands of mothers every week. Mm -hmm. If I ask them about their partnership, particularly in those early years, it's quite rare that people will say we feel more connected and it's so easy and it's so smooth. I would say that is the anomaly. that what I tend to hear is I feel resentful. I feel like I'm doing everything. I feel like we're disagreeing. We're both so tired. You know, he's working all the time, probably driven by, as you described, that absolute need to protect and serve and provide. And yeah, I think it's incredibly challenging. 
it is also an opportunity for huge transformation within a relationship. Totally. I mean, I, again, I, I tend to be quite open about, you know, reflecting on my own self. But of course, you go from, if you don't mind me saying, being the center of her life, where she wants to talk to you every day and every hour. And if you don't text within three minutes, then, you know, something is wrong to completely almost trying to say, just leave me alone. I need to take care of that little creature and all of those changes. And then the couple, yeah, I mean, it's just normal that things will be different, right? It is. So what would you advise? I mean, should there be a very regular ritual, schedule, time spent together? How do you introduce this into a life that is so busy already with so demanding on time and, and so on? How, how do you do that? Yeah. And my kind of, you know, advice is very simple because if it was too complicated, parents wouldn't be able to, you know, wouldn't be able to maintain it. So it's really something that I called a, a 10 minute check-in, which is where every day, you hold some time, no phones. Ideally, the children or the baby would be asleep or elsewhere. And you're really just bringing any resentments or grievances or things that aren't working into that space. So you're allowing the, the other person to share without interruption, without judgment, without defense. And that sounds really easy, but it's really hard. And the other person brings their own. And it's just a chance to connect. The other benefits that my clients tell me when they they've kind of done this practice is that as things happen over the day you're not jumping on them in the moment what you're doing is kind of saving them up as it were for that 10 minute check-in at the end of the day I also think you know seeking some outside support so either seeing a relationship coach or a therapist if the financial means are available to you is incredibly helpful because this stuff is it's complex. As you were describing, you know, it can often bring up both parties, lots of stuff from the past. And sometimes having someone to work that through is really powerful, particularly if you're interested in giving your children a different experience than you had. Because that sounds really simple to say, but just as you experience, you know, with that kind of AAA mentality, it's really hard actually to change that if that's what's been instilled in you is important. And it still might feel really important to you. And even you might say, you know, no, I really want to value creativity above achievement. But actually living that and actually putting your money almost where your mouth is or something like that is really, really, really hard. So I would, I always, you know, advise if people have got the means to get some sort of outside support, whatever that looks like, can be transformative. Do you believe some of us are not supposed to be parents? Yes. Oh, that's a very sharp answer. I've never been asked that question. Hmm. But yes. First of all, let's, let's ask the easier question because I get a lot of friends. I interviewed Emma Gannon recently and she spoke about her. Yeah, I know Emma, yeah. Olive and being childless and so on. And so, and the topic started to be top of mind for me. And, you know, I started to talk to lots of friends, women, and yeah, that, you know, a lot are thinking about that. Maybe they're not decided. You know, the ones that want children are super decided. The ones that don't are in that constant flux of, I don't really know. Yeah. I would say most men, honestly, 
or a good chunk of men would probably not mind either way. I think there is a maternity is more instinctive than paternity, if you want. So should one be allowed to think about that? What would qualify someone to be a parent? Of course, they're allowed to think about that. And I actually, whenever a mother comes to me and says, I'm not sure if I want children, what should I do? The first thing that I always say to them is I really admire the weight and the thought that you are putting to this decision because make no bones about it. It's bigger than marriage. It's, you know, of course there are ways once you have a child to, there are ways that you can change that setup so that you're not the primary caregiver, but you will always be that child's mother or father, you know, even if you decide it's not for you and you might want to adopt or in some way not have that primary role, but you will always be that biological parent. It is an incredibly huge decision. So I think it's an incredible thing. And I really honour every single person that takes the time, particularly in a society where you get married and you're instantly asked, when are you having children? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? So, yeah. So it takes a lot of courage, and I really honour that. I think we need more of that in the society, not less of it. I think we need people giving more weight to the decision to become a parent because, let's be honest, doing it in a way that most of us would want to, in a really present, connected, conscious way, takes unbelievable amounts of time, energy, spiritual energy, emotional energy, financial resources, time. You know, there's without a doubt, you know the mother the motherhood penalty is very real you know the amount of money that gets reduced that you can earn when you become a mother so I think it's an incredibly important decision to put weight to and I believe that there are women and and men who for them that's not the right path and I celebrate that you know some people are meant to be godparents and aunties and uncles or you know parent in other ways we don't need to be a parent in order to bring parenting energy you know, look at someone like Oprah, you know, mm. she famously decided not to become mother at the end and look at all the people that she mothers, you know, and that you get mothers who don't mother in, you know, in that same way. So I think the most important thing is for someone to unpick what feels right for them, just as Emma's done so beautifully and so publicly. You know, there are lots of mothers privately going through that. And that's something actually that I coach on quite a lot is helping mothers unpick you know do I want to become a mother and very often mothers are coming to me saying I just don't know if I want another child how do I decide how so let, let me I was just going to say so let's say someone decides or a couple decide that they actually want to become parents normally the thinking process goes through what is in it for them right it's like when are we going to be ready financially from a fun lifestyle point of view when are we going to be able to allow that new thing to come in but how do they know when they are ready to care for that child properly what is the readiness if if there were signs of readiness signs that say i think i can do a good job here do you know what those are i mean are, do they exist i don't think they exist or if they do i've certainly not studied them or would know what they are I think that's you know we talked about the tensions and the paradoxes in parenthood and I think that's one of them you know that you kind of take on this role that you have no idea what it's going to be like you just have to trust and hope and yet you know I do see in in every area of life and it'd be good to get your experience on this you know when we're invited into an experience either you know a big promotion 
You know, we have no idea whether we're going to be able to do it or not. We kind of have this ability of humans to step up, just like you did, you know, with your experience with Ali. You kind of stepped into that experience and have made it into this incredible contribution and new direction in your life. And And I think had someone said to you, are you ready for that? You'd have said, absolutely not. That's so insightful. You're absolutely spot on. I mean, we never really are ready for the next big thing, are we? No. And in fact, it's the things that we're not ready for that kind of spiritually, I think, unlock the most potential in us as a human. Beautifully said. Totally, totally, totally. Let us stop here for a minute. Once again, I think this conversation is going so well and we will have so much to talk about, not only about parenting, but rather about our own internal work when we become or if we become parents. So it's worth another part. Join us right now if you have the time or if you don't, please take a note so that you can continue this conversation about modern parenthood or motherhood with Zoe Blasky.